0: From the Heart.org radio, this is the Fellows Corner.
1: My name is Dr. Aaron Gorodesky. I'm a cardiology fellow at the Cleveland Clinic and also a moderator at TheHeart.org. Uh, I'm here with Dr. Valentin Fuster in uh, the ACC Chicago 2008. Uh, Dr. Fuster is the director of the Heart Center at Mount Sinai uh, in New York, as well as the former president of the American Heart Association and World Hard Federation. Um, Dr. Fuster, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, the topic of our conversation today is going to be about the transition from being a fellow to getting a job in the real world, which is what many of us are interested in. Um, I've had the opportunity to attend a couple of your lectures, and I've heard you say that we shouldn't choose a career based on what's hot, but we should choose a career based on what is best for us, what fits us best. And that's important advice, but how do we know what fits us best?
0: Well, I think that uh, you have to think about what your talents are, what, 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 what really you are good at. And many times we cannot tell by, your, by ourselves. Um, for example, I was told by a mentor that I had, uh, I, I don't want to be, uh you know, but basically that I had that I was very creative and it would be a complete disaster in my life if I, if I didn't push my individuality into research and development and creativity and so forth. And I didn't have any idea if I was creative or not, but he certainly pushed me to go into research. and then he also told me that I love patience and therefore I should do both and I follow my advisor absolutely blindly. Now, if I had to discover myself, probably I would have not known either of those two. But I was told by somebody who knew me, somebody who I respected, and I I follow exactly the advice. What I'm trying to tell you is, many times we are not good judges of ourselves, but the people around us who observe us can say, you know, You are good on this and you are good on that. And you do not necessarily have to go through a whole training program because the first choice you have to make is I'm going to be a doctor seeing patients. I'm going to be a pure investigator. I'm going to do both. I like private practice because I'm more independent and I don't have to go and report to all these academic guys. All of these are basic questions before you decide exactly whether you are going to be an electrophysiologist or you are going to be an interventionist you, you understand it? Yeah. so your questions have to be quite primitive at the beginning and actually I think it was uh, during medical school that i was they told me or they convinced me that i should never give up seeing patients because for somehow uh, the i mean they they felt and he felt this advisor that i would do very well there but at the same time he says you have to be creative You have to really do research, and your challenge will be how you will be able to combine both. I follow blindly. If I had to choose myself, I don't know what I would be doing today. So this is the reality that that you have to discover yourself, but you need people to help you in discover yourself.
1: Um, You you mentioned private practice, and that's another thing that's on the mind of uh, many cardiology fellows. In your opinion, Really, what is the fundamental difference between a career in academic medicine versus a career in private practice?
0: Yeah, this is a fundamental difference, actually. Uh, And the difference is that in private practice, you are your own. You are very much yourself. And all of us like this. In fact, I would have not been surprised that I would have been in private practice if he had not been told me all those things. Your mentor. Yeah, because you, 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 you are yourself, you're in charge of yourself. In an academic setting, you're not. Uh, you depend from many aspects, institutional aspects, uh, of many rules and regulations that really are beyond what you have in your own practice. So I think this is a basic principle. It's not the concept you want to implement practice because you want to make money. This is, this is stupid. I think this also fluctuates. Uh, so I think what is important is if you want to be yourself and really wants to be the driver, private practice is much more suited to that than if you want to be in an institution with all the academic settings and, and certainly with a lot of dependence from other people. So I think there is a great difference. And I'm not discussing here research versus no research. I'm discussing something that is much more primitive And this is what I would advise all of you. Be primitive to start with. Don't go into the details of things. Because the details come later. It's much easier to choose. Once you decide to be in an academic world, once you decide to say, I want to be in an institution, and I want to be creative, it's easier to choose the field you are going to be working on. What is very difficult is to make the first choice. Where you go? And I think I would encourage all of you to really ask for advice and to make these choices that I call primitive choices, that to me are the most important ones.
1: Now, if you were a fellow to make a choice about going into academic medicine in and in preparing for my talk with you today, um, I found an interesting quote um, by uh, Dr. Bono. He said, the transition from fellow to faculty is one of the most difficult hurdles on the path to a career as a clinical investigator. And that focus on the transition from being a fellow to a staff, and especially with investigation, what do you, what do you think that means, and why is that the, the biggest hurdle?
0: It's a big jump. I mean, uh, when you, you, while you are a fellow, you are protected. You follow rules, and you take the boards. You do everything you have to do. At the moment that you get into a staff position, you have two issues. One, you are your own. You are not protected anymore. And at the same time, you are in an environment that you have to demonstrate that you are up to the standards. And this creates a, a degree of uneasiness, of uncertainty. And certainly it's a very difficult move. But I think are these two aspects, and that is you lose that kind of patronizing that goes on during the fellowship. You always know you have somebody who tells you what to do, and you do it your rotations and everything. And uh, the transition to a staff uh, is just uh, a big jump. Uh, You are not protected anymore. But this also applies if you go to private practice. So I don't think there's a much difference. The only difference is if you go, if you really get into an academic institution and you are supposed to perform to be an academician, you have that hurdle, you have to demonstrate it, you have to apply for grants, you have to succeed. But if you go to private practice, I suspect there is not so much of an unknown. You know who you are, you built up your practice and it's quite different. So I think in an academic institution uh, the, the the transition is much more difficult.
1: Um, I imagine that as the director of the heart Center you've had a chance to interview many fellows for their first job. Um, and I'm wondering if you could give us the scoop about what are the, the do's and the don'ts in that initial negotiation process?
0: Well. Um, my first comment is you should always be sincere never go with hidden agendas I will not say this and I will ask more than what what I want because they will give all of these things are absolutely negatives sooner or later you pay a price for that and that is you're being viewed, maybe this is not the guy we want so my first advice find yourself what you want and at the moment you go for the interview, be very open, this is who I am, I have these unknowns, I don't know this, this and that, but I know what I want to do, and I would love to be working with you guys, and, and be very, very sincere. This is absolutely critical, there is nothing that works for me, when in the first five minutes, I begin to see that there is something there that doesn't fit with sincerity. It turns me off completely. I'm sure I had very brilliant people coming to see me to enter, to come to work with us, to do imaging or research, and, and they tell you all sorts of stories. and I may be turn off in the first few minutes. I don't care how intelligent the guy is, how talented it is, but if I don't see pure clarity, it just turns me off. I prefer to see the vulnerability of a person that is presented to you than just the opposite. I think this is a very important advice I can give to you and to you people.
1: I think that one of the hesitations that fellows have is committing themselves to a career choice, um, taking taking that jump, taking the, the risk of, of choosing something. Um, have you seen people, junior faculties in your department o- over your career, uh, making the wrong choice or being committed to something and not being able, able to get out of it?
0: Yeah, I, I have seen two things. Uh, I have seen uh, choices made which were wrong and were prospectively wrong. I knew that the choice was wrong. And the question, the frustration to me was, how can I convince this individual that this is not the thing to do. I mean, this is a reality, and this is why uh, the fellows have to be pretty humble and have good advisors uh, before they make any choice. There are very few fellows who really have advisors. Unfortunately, you have been through so much that at one point you say, now I am in my own. And you know what? At my age, I have two advisors.
1: All of us need it. Who are your advisors?
0: I cannot give the names to you. (laughs) But one is in this country and another is not. And I think it's critical for me to tell you this. So to think that you reach a stage that you do not need advice is one of the most important mistakes that I have seen. Because then you make a choice which is circumstantial because something is hot and you go there when in fact the advisor might have told you quite different. This is one of the mistakes. On the other hand... You may be absolutely geared to do something you think is your talent, and you decide, who knows, I'm going to Connecticut to join a group practice, fantastic guys, I visited them, it's like a family. It's going to be fantastic, I tell you, please don't rent a house, don't buy it. Because you can never tell what is the chemistry. And Is this a mistake? Absolutely not. This is a transition, and life is a constant transition, a constant transition. There is no such a thing that I remember in my 35 years of experience in the academic world that said, now is the key moment. Either I go this direction or this direction. It never happened. I'm still going, looking every day in what direction, because there is no such a thing. So we all go back and forth. We all make mistakes, and then you have to just overcome the mistake, and this makes you to be mature. So I, don't, I, would, I would say to you, please don't go into, this is my last opportunity to think about it, and if I do this, this is what I'm going to do all my life. Forget it. This creates a neurotic feeling in many people in the third year of fellowship because they are all trembling. If I go there, I cannot go there. I, look, if you are in that state jumping, take intuitively whatever, you are offered, because then you will have a year or two to think about it, and then to change your plans. I think this is a very important advice I can give to you. First, to have a mentor, and not to jump into the ocean uh, blindly. And second, uh, if you decide to make a move, do it. And if it is a mistake, look, life country what people think is long. I don't think it's short. And this is something I could advise you
1: with the financial constraints and the need for generating RVUs, et cetera. Um, I've heard some very talented people say that it would be a good idea to pursue an interventional sort of career, whether in catheterization or EP, a career that generates a lot of RVUs and therefore that would balance out the ability to do research uh, and to have more time to invest in, in something like that. What do you think about that approach?
0: I think he's wrong. Because in 10 years from now, will be the opposite. Uh, reimbursement is going to go down. No question about it. The economy does not allow the technologies to keep moving and so forth. So I think this is temporarily. And this is the what I always say, and you, I think you made that comment at the very beginning, just invest in yourself. Don't invest into the environment. Because that comment you make, uh, you know, I have to see so many patients, and if I am now an investigator, we'll have time for research. In, in five, seven years, will be a different ballgame. And it's not that I'm trying to predict. I don't know what it's going to be. But you cannot follow this kind of an approach. And one of the advice that I could give, one of the advice we could give to you people is that if you see something hot in the environment, don't go just and talk to the guy who's in the hot environment and saying, tell me what you think about it, because we'll tell you, fantastic, come in. It's so easy to misguide you. You have to go to guys who not necessarily are in that environment and just uh, have uh, to think about uh, whether that's a good thing to do or not. And these are very basic principles, you know, to have an open scope, to have good mentorship, and not to get into what is very hot, from the very beginning or even be advised by the people who are in that, because a few years later, all change. I can give you the story of cardiovascular medicine in the last 30 years, and it has been a constant change of what the priorities have been, you know? And I have been through all of this. So I think you have to be very uh, aware and be very humble, uh, try to play the risks and accept that you may be wrong, but obviously, you, the advisor is a key point, and the mentor is a key point here.
1: Could, could you just give us a few final words about um, the Heart House program uh, that's going to be held later this year? And uh, what, what does that involve, and what is that going to offer uh, fellows?
0: Well, it's a good... Um, it it, it it's, it's actually has been successful. Uh, this is what it's all about. We started every other year. Then once a year, now twice every year. Now we are thinking with the college uh, to have all the fellows to go through uh, during the training program, particularly at the beginning of the training program. What this course is about is we we try to uh, alert the fellow uh, through people who have been experienced in each particular field and to explain what this is all about. And at least the basic, I usually give the first lecture. And the first lecture is, very, is, is based into what I call uh, the 40s, which is, you know, time to reflect, which you, we and I, you and I are talking about now. Pause, think, prioritize, see. Second talent to discover, which is what we said, is that is try to discover what is your talent and try to invest on in that. Uh, this is what I give in the first lecture. The third thing is very important, which is the T of transmitting positivity. You know, you cannot go around the world and constantly reacting to everything. You know, we all have an angel in our personality and a devil, and the circumstances make us to appear one way or the other. How can we enhance in ourselves the positive part in transmitting this? Because it makes life completely different in the environment you live, if you constantly transmit positivity, enthusiasm, optimism, and even in the difficult moments trying to overcome them, I think the way you work in your own society in this is extremely important. And the fourth common is tutoring. You need a tutor. You need a tutor. You need a tutor. And not only that, you should tutor the people who are younger than you. So these four is the basis of this course. Why this is successful? I think the success is related if you talk to your colleagues and you attended one of those or you didn't. Um, Not yet. No, you should because you will see what I say. The success is that people leave those two days um, of seminars thinking maybe I'm not in the right field. And you know that's the success of the course somehow it opens the consciousness of people saying you know i was really going in this direction and in fact maybe another one or maybe i have to think more about this this is the success of the course it's quite successful actually and and i think that i i agree it should be almost obligatory to the fellows to go through uh, and we plan to Maybe to add a third one in the year to see that everybody can attend it.
1: Dr. Fuster, thank you very much for talking to us, and uh, appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Pleasure.
1: You've been listening to The Fellow's Corner on the heart.org radio.